0: So we have an announcement here today. I remember we said that we were cutting back to once a month for our Reactions podcast so we could take on other things that we wanted to do. Well, we found something that we wanted to do. It wasn't what we had intended when we were when we made that decision, but we have picked up the podcast Bat Books for Beginners that is on the batmanuniverse.net website, and so we will now be releasing that once a month uh, alongside our Reactions podcast once a month. So, depending on when that release date is, which we're not entirely sure right now, we will be releasing content approximately every two weeks as we were, as just one will be bat books for Beginners and one will be uh, Arc Reactions podcast. So, since we are covering more Batman books than we could possibly ever imagine we wanted to cover on Arc Reactions podcast, we probably will not be doing too many Batman stories on Arc Reactions podcast. So we'll be sticking to uh, other heroes and other uh, comic book stories that we find interesting for that one.
1: Welcome to another edition of Arc Reactions Podcast. My name is Dylan. And I'm John. Today we will be covering the classic Teen Titans 1984 story, Judas Contract.
0: George Orwell.
1: What? George Orwell, 1984. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, we're going to be covering Judas Contract. This is a classic, uh, quintessential Titan story, viewed by many as one of the best Titan stories of the time. With a lot of fallout afterwards.
0: That This is true. So, we will jump right into the summary here, so you will know what that fallout is.
1: Of course, you already read the story, right? Yeah, if you're listening to this, you should have read the story already, guys.
0: But we'll give you a summary in case you haven't. During some downtime, the Teen Titans are taking their newest recruit, Tara Markov, around to see each other's residences. Beast Boy, going by the name Changeling at this point, falls head over heels for the young woman after she kisses him on the dock while they wait for the shuttle to the Titans' tower. Little do the Titans know that Terra is secretly taking photos of the Titans, where they live, and capturing details of the team to report back to Deathstroke. The only person who sees through Terra's seemingly friendly nature is Raven, who senses a deep evil in her but isn't quite sure as she fears she might be getting interference from her father, the demon Trigon. Terra begins training with the team, being put up against Beast Boy. Beast Boy defeats her and proceeds to humiliate her, This makes Terra give in to her rage and she nearly kills Beast Boy before being stopped by the team. They forgive her, but Raven keeps a watchful eye on her. After the battle, we jump to Terra in the House of Deathstroke, the Teen Titan's bitterest enemy. He lectures her about losing her temper and jeopardizing the entire mission. Slade divulges that he has been hired by an agency known as Hive to take out the Titans. He orders her to get dressed, and they depart for the next part of their nefarious plan, not knowing they are also secretly being watched. In the apartment of the now-retired Titan, the former Robin, Dick Grayson, Slade strikes. Bursting through the window, Deathstroke injures Grayson, but Dick is able to escape. The individuals watching Slade from before, a middle-aged woman and a young man, continue to monitor him. Grayson attempts to find the other Titans, but only finds destruction. Using his skills as a detective, he is able to ascertain the method in which each of the other Titans was incapacitated. Dick rushes off to the Titans Tower, only to find it ravaged by a large spire of rock. He is confronted by the Watchers from before, who reveal themselves to be the ex-wife and son of Deathstroke. The ex-wife, Adeline, reveals that Terra was working for Slade, much to the disbelief and awe of Grayson. Elsewhere, Slade contacts Hive to turn over the captured Titans. Back in the Titan Tower, it is revealed that Adeline's son, Joseph, is a mute. She tells the history of Deathstroke, which is the first time it's appeared in the comics, and she reveals his history as an American special operations soldier, his subjection to experimentation by the government and subsequent dismissal from the army. She goes on to tell of his becoming a soldier of fortune and the subsequent kidnapping of Joseph by an organization that wanted information on a client of Slade's. When Slade refused to give up that information... As it was in violation of his personal code, one of the kidnappers slits the boy's throat, nearly killing him and muting him in the process. Later, when Adeline confronts Slade about this, he rebuffs her and she attempts to kill him,
1: but instead she only manages to shoot out his right eye. When Adeline reveals that she knows the location of the Titans, Grayson rushes upstairs. No longer being Robin, he creates a new identity for himself, that of Nightwing. Joseph reveals that he is a metahuman himself, able to possess anyone he makes eye contact with. Upon demonstration of his powers, Nightwing agrees to take Joseph, going by the name Jericho, with them to free the Titans. In the Hive's secret Colorado base, Slade turns the captured Titans over, revealing that he inherited the contract when his son, Titan's nemesis Ravager, was killed. He then reveals much of the shock and disbelief of Beast Boy, the terror was his accomplice in their capture. Outside the base, the newly minted Nightwing, accompanied by Jericho, begin infiltrating the lair. Hive complains that Deathstroke has not completed his contract, as he is missing Robin. Deathstroke calls an old military associate, who has been working to find Dick. As the associate hangs up, we see Adeline has him at gunpoint. The associate, Wintergreen, details his history and loyalty to Slade. Back at the Hive base, Nightwing and Jericho incapacitate two Hive members, with Jericho inhabiting one of the knocked out guards, and is able to talk as long as the man remains unconscious. They go to the big Hive meeting, but after Hive's plan is announced, Jericho begins losing control of the man. Nightwing disrupts and begins the brawl, dropping a tear gas grenade. The duo rush out, with Jericho unable to use his powers from his eyes watering due to the tear gas. Nightwing throws down a flash grenade and he and Jericho run around the corner and directly into Terra, who quickly incapacitates the duo. Slade is called from his quarters to where the other teen titans are being held, and the hive leader reveals that Nightwing has been captured. When Slade demands the reward his son was promised, the Hive Leader rebuffs him and it is revealed that they also have Jericho, who Slame recognizes instantly. Slade demands the boy be released. Terra recognizes Jericho as Slade's son and can't help but declare it in front of Hive. Jericho possesses his father and uses Deathstroke's gun to free the Titans. Terra, not knowing that Slade wasn't in control, rampages against him. She nearly kills him when Jericho relents control of his father, but Terra remains incensed, claiming that Slade has gone soft. The Titans attempt to subdue her, but she declares her hate for them, and as she incapacitates the other Titans, Beast Boy flies into her eye. Furious, She brings down the Hive Base, killing herself in the process. The Titans recover her body and hold a funeral for her. Her brother, the hero Jiroforce, attends, and the Titans tell him that she died fighting Deathstroke. A creative retelling of history there. How so? They
0: portray her as a hero, not as... Oh, yes,
1: yes, yes. So, yeah, they, uh... They portray her as a hero, and they even put a statue of her in the uh, Hall of Fallen Titans.
0: Are there more at this point?
1: At this point, no. I think she was the first one, actually. She was the first uh, casualty of uh, the Titans, Teen Titans. I would think so, because otherwise this wouldn't probably be as impactful of a story as it turned out to be. Correct. And this was, you know, as I said, this was the first uh, Titan that they lost in, in battle. Whether she was a traitor or not. They, they decided to honor her as a teen Titan. And
0: it's interesting because she was the newest Titan, so in a sense, you don't have quite the. It doesn't have quite the impact of, say, when Robin was killed and uh, Death in the Family.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's tied to a hero, uh, but it's a D-lister, Geo Force. You know, not really a known hero. Yeah, I was going to say I did, I'd never heard of him. Precisely. <laughs> Alright, so as normal, we are going to discuss some notes. Uh We have some history. We have some vocabulary. We have a test. We do have a test afterwards, so be sure to take notes because these will be on the test.
0: And by the way, if you haven't been receiving your test in the mail, please let us know so we have your address correct.
1: Yeah, we want to make sure you guys get credit for your test. We don't want you guys to fail. So far, everyone's failing. Yeah, so far we've received no test back. What What's going on, guys? It's like homework, people. Come on. <laughs> Alright, so in issue 42 We have uh, references to Michael Jackson And Donna Summers Donna Summers, came, uh, she's a, of course A famous disco singer from the 70's uh, She won 5 Grammy Awards Is known for the songs I feel Love, The Last Dance Last Dance I don't know either of those songs You don't know Last Dance? I don't listen to disco
0: Oh, it's a good song Disco's even, though dead. It's, even though it's disco, it's a good song
1: Disco's dead, man. I wanted to say it that way uh, it, need, it needs to be resurrected. No. It needs to be zombified. It needs to be zombified, then re-killed. <laughs> a, a sharp blow to the head.
0: Um, Michael Jackson, the other uh, artist referenced in that that balloon, was, is known as both one of the kids of the Jackson 5, and then for his solo career. He's known for the songs Beat It, Billie
1: Jean, and Thriller, among many more. Now tell me you've heard of those songs. Billie Jean, I think, is probably my favorite Michael Jackson song. Oh. It's just so phenomenal. Just everything about it is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, he's also
0: famous for a lot of other things, but that was yeah what, what he would have been known for around this time.
1: Precisely. Uh, Beast Boy makes a reference of something being better than a Chevy Chase movie. I think it was Cyborg. Was it Cyborg? Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, it was uh, Cyborg made the reference. Uh, this was this comic was released shortly after National Lampoon's vacation. Of course, uh, Chevy Chase went on to make, I think, three more National Lampoon's movies, a myriad of other movies. Uh, he was in Community for a while, the show with, that I absolutely love. Uh, and it's just a ton of other stuff. He was on Saturday Night Live. It's just a ton of stuff.
0: Yeah, so that's the one that they would most likely be referring to because the story was 1984, and I think National Lampoon was 1983.
1: That sounds about right.
0: Uh, Miracle Wings from Ronco. This is said by Beast Boy. Ronco is a traditional knee-length, loose-fitting garment worn by chiefs, blacksmiths, warriors, and secret society officials in certain Sierra Leonean tribes, particularly the Limba, Caronco, and Yalunca tribes, worn by warriors in battle and said to protect them against both natural and supernatural weapons of war. Don't know if that's the Ronco he was referring to, <laughs> but it kind of sort of fits for the the scenario because that was when he was having his uh, duel with Terra.
1: Yes. So uh, we have some vocabulary words and appellation in reference to Dick going as Robin, a name or title, a plum is. A plum in Elan. Uh, this is referring to Terminator's unusual
0: behavior. Terminator is another name for Deathstroke. Deathstroke,
1: uh, Slade, uh, Deathstroke Slade the Deathstroke. Slade, Wilson, Deathstroke, The Terminator. Um, aplomb is
0: self-confidence or assurance, especially when in a demanding situation. And alan
1: is energy and enthusiasm. Alright, uh, we have Vanglorious Dolt, which is uh, Deathstroke referring to Beast Boy. This is when he incapacita- incapacitates Beast Boy by... Uh, giving him a whole bunch of fan letters, and one of them was the, he poisoned the envelope. Uh, yeah, the glue
0: so on the on the envelope that you would lick to seal it had uh, some sort of knockout agent in it.
1: Uh, and Vangloria Still is characterized by or exhibiting excessive vanity or being boastful,
0: which he was signing pictures of himself for teenage girls. So he was a little vain.
1: And uh, side note on uh, issue forty three is the first appearance of uh, Joseph Wilson, aka Jericho.
0: Yeah, we don't get the Jericho persona until issue 44, but his first appearance is in 43. Yes. Uh, 44, we're to that issue. Rancor, not the thing in Star Wars. Joseph did not have any of this towards Grayson, and Rancor is bitterness... Jason Grayson. Uh, (laughs) Rancor is bitterness or... Wrong
1: Robin. Yeah, yeah, literally
0: wrong Robin. (laughs) You
1: throw me off. Bitterness or resentfulness. Now, this was said in reference... uh... Joseph kept staring at uh, Grayson, and he didn't know he was mute, so he was a little bit put off by it. He thought that Joseph was uh, rancorous towards him, using it as a sentence, yeah, yeah, but his mother, uh, Adeline, explained that he doesn't have any of that, the boy doesn't possess any uh, bitterness or anger in his heart.
0: Which is interesting, considering what he went through.
1: Yeah, considering who his dad is. All right, uh some history. Death of the Kennedy brothers in the 1960s. Uh, of course, er, most people know John F. Kennedy, president, who was uh, assassinated in Dallas, Texas on November twenty second, 1963. Senator Ted Kennedy died in a plane crash June 19, 1964. And Senator Robert Kennedy was assassinated in Los Angeles June fifth, 1968. Uh, I'm not sure
0: which or all of those they might have been referring to, but uh, those were in the right time
1: frame. Uh, then we had the death of Martin Luther King Jr. He was assassinated April fourth, 1968 in Memphis. And that was mentioned the same time as the deaths of the
0: Kennedys. It was one word balloon that was talking about all these uh, prominent news, news events of the time. Yes. Uh, Mao Tung's communist guerrilla fighters, this was also mentioned around the same time. This one was really difficult to figure out because they didn't really give you much to go off of, and I couldn't find anything that actually referenced communist guerrilla fighters in relation to Mao Zedong. So I did my best and put it together, uh, a, being around the, the Korean War, which was, I believe, the reference in the comic. And so I believe this is referencing China's involvement on the North Korean side during the Korean War. There's a lot of well-recorded history about Mao Zedong and his creation of the Communist Party of China and later the People's Republic of China. And if you're interested, you should go look it up and learn about it. I watched a documentary probably six months ago or so about the formation of the the uh, People's Republic of China. It was rather interesting. I mean, it was communist propaganda because it came out of the state, but <laughs> it was still rather
1: interesting. Yeah, very cool. And uh, we have... Engravescent Abrasia. That's uh, that's your medical term for the week? Yes. It's a gradually increasing in severity, tiny marks or scratches, usually on a coin from erosion contact with other objects. Uh, Abrasia would be that. Yeah. Uh,
0: In in Gravescent means gradually increasing in severity. Yeah. So over time getting
1: worn away or
0: uh, eroded. So I guess in this case it would be, since it was referring to Slade, an increase in mark. Marks on his body,
1: scratches... Or or it could be, uh, I think it was in reference to his uh, wearing away of his powers. Oh, that could be. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this a little bit in the talking points.
0: Yeah, we do have a talking point for uh, uh, Deathstroke, so we will cover a lot of that there. Uh, Morose, which was Slade's condition. um, Sullen and ill-tempered. Being morose, being uh, grumpy... (laughs) Yes, and now we have Angry Cat to replace Grumpy Cat. There's
1: an Angry Cat now? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen, I've seen, it, seen that the meme. big
0: orange cat.
1: Oh, no, I haven't seen the big orange cat. I've seen the uh, black and white one. Now uh, this is an or- orange, uh, really puffy-furred
0: cat that looks angry, so oh, well, that's... It, it's now the new internet meme. Of course,
1: by the time we release this, could be some other cat, but... Well, you know, of course, then it'll probably get its own Christmas movie and go away, like Grumpy Cat.
0: Well, I mean, Grumpy Cat was so docile. Like if you've seen it on Yes, I've on seen Good Morning America. Yeah, she's very mellow. She's I, I have grumpy. a feeling Angry Cat's not mellow. So no, <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think Angry Cat will get quite the
1: uh, the same uh, treatment because I don't think it'll sit still for it. Yeah. Gr- grumpy Cat will sit still. Grumpy Cat, aside from her very uh, grumpy looking face, is very sweet cat. Yeah, that's what I've, everything
0: I've heard, and I've also heard the owners do their best to not make it uncomfortable for the cat. And and uh, so hopefully they're doing that and not exploiting the cat beyond
1: what it should be put through. Agreed. All right, and the uh, another history note here, this is the first appearance of Nightwing, uh, both the costume and the name. Well, not the first appearance of the name, but first appearance uh, of the For Dick Grayson. For Dick Grayson is Nightwing.
0: Yeah. He, he took the name from an old, uh, t- something Superman had told him about an old tale on Krypton, I believe.
1: It was, I think it was in the, bottle city of kandor oh yeah that that might be it was uh, yeah i want to say i might be wrong it was uh the dick and uh bruce went to the bottle city of kandor and they met nightwing there, who's a kryptonian superhero
0: yeah I, it's definitely a kryptonian hero of some sort i don't remember if it's kandor or old krypton
1: yeah I, I can't recall either but so uh that leads us of course into our talking points we'll start with the bad things so the first one, and, and me and John agree on this, Beast Boy, uh Changeling, uh Garfield... Garfield
0: what? Logan.
1: Yes, Logan Garfield. Or, they called him Gar. Yeah. Is extremely creepy. He hits on every single female around.
0: I mean, in the summary, we said he fell head over heels for Terra, but I'm not so sure that it wasn't just she's the only one who responded.
1: Yeah, it very well could be. He's very... uh Stereotypically 1984, I guess is the best way to put it. Or just a
0: young man who doesn't really know how to handle his hormones and just...
1: Everything looks good, so I'm going to go after it. I guess. It's extremely unsettling and off-putting.
0: Yeah, it reminded me a lot of when we did the Teenage
1: Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah, Uh, Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah, God, that movie. Same color, too. Yeah, you know... (laughs) Does he have orange on his outfit? I want not say he has orange.
0: He had red and white uh, uh, suit. Yeah, he has red and white. Dang. But he's green-skinned. green,
1: green skinned. Yeah, if he, if he had an orange suit, that would be all the better. <laughs> like, wow.
0: Um, well, we know where Michelangelo got it.
1: Yeah. He's been reading Tales of Teen Titans. Apparently. He, he traveled into the future and watched Michael Bay's film, and he liked it. <laughs> One of the few that did.
0: Um, is there anything more we want to say about... Beast Boy, I mean, what did you think? I, he's never been a, very, a favorite character of mine. I, I I just don't feel like they use him very well. And, I mean, for being a changeling, why is it always animals? Like, you see, it seems to me like
1: he should be able to change into anything. Yeah, I don't understand the restriction on his powers. Um, I think he's a, a character with a lot of potential who gets relegated to comedic relief and being the lighthearted, funny guy of the team, the clown of the team.
0: Yeah, I, I can
1: definitely see that. Um yeah, it seems like he he goes between being a creepy horn dog and not having very much self control, both in and off the battlefield. We of course saw in the fight with Tara, uh, where he just he couldn't help but humiliate her. He couldn't help but keep antagonizing antagonizing her, which caused her to lose her mom, uh, flip the switch and go crazy.
0: I mean, it wasn't ridiculous. It was a little bit over the top, but, I mean, it,
1: basically she had a part in it too. She's not blameless in that. No, oh, no, no, I'm not saying she is. She's obviously, she's the bad one of the bad guys of the story. But more so, you know, he definitely antagonized her. He knocked her in the snow. He rip, rip, rub, 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 wrapped her up as a snake. He, you know. He kicked snow in her face as a dog. He whacked her in the head knocked her on her face into the snow as I think it was a beaver.
0: Yeah, he hit her with a beaver tail
1: somewhere. Yeah, it was, you know. Very kind of over the top. and
0: But, I mean, I like the variety because if you're going to have a character like that, just having him be one animal for a fight is kind of
1: boring. Yeah, no, the, I, in so much as the, the span of his ability they show, but not the full capability. And as I said, I don't really feel that they use him to his full capability. I mean, it's kind of interesting most, I don't know, maybe this is just because it's a product of the
0: 80s, most shape changers need to maintain a similar... Uh, density or mass or or something, something like, like that. that, but he could go big, small, and it's he goes bear, he goes fly, giant, yeah, uh, butterfly or something like that when he yeah. hit her in the eye
1: at yeah. the end, and uh, he turned into a snake, he turns into a bear, like I said, giant uh, snake, giant snake, a rabbit, you know, he 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 all over the place.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of interesting to me that um, there's a point in the final battle where he gets uh, basically encased, him and Dick get encased in mud. And, uh, he's in that snake form and it's, and they're like, oh, they're going to crush him. And I'm thinking, no, he's just going to change into a, like a like a mosquito and they'll be fine.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah. Uh, so the other one, the other bad point is the character Tara, who of course is, you know, she's the bad guy of the story, but is she a believable villain? She comes across as very, uh, very friendly and wholesome to the, uh, titans but apparently there's a backstory and and something i didn't know going into this is that she was with the titans for about a year before this story happened
0: well at the end of the story we're told she was a titan for a year whether or not there's other stories before this where she's just a member of the
1: team i'm not sure me either uh they they did mention something about and this was after she lost her mind in the uh spar with Beast boy That she was, like, captured by terrorists at one point or something?
0: I don't think that was real. I think that was her, more of her masquerade that she was putting on. Because I want to say later in the, when she's doing all her, uh, I always hated you and I was never on your side stuff. She says that that wasn't real, but I could be mistaken on that. I'd have to go look
1: it up again. But, yeah, it's not an extremely well-written villain, in my opinion. She's kind of two-dimensional.
0: Yeah, I would say even kind of one-dimensional. Yeah. Um it it's something that that I, I kind of I didn't like that they killed her. It seems to me that that she shouldn't be just straight evil, which is kind of what they they wanted wanted her to be cuz she just seemed to me like a teenager with anger issues primarily. And it seemed to me like there was potential there for the team to take her in for her to kind of change her ways, but to still have these these spits of anger like we saw in 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 the uh, sparring that can cause issues like maybe she accidentally kills a villain or something um you know things things that can add pathos to the team without just killing her off and i know uh we want to talk i know we one of the points we want to talk about is the lasting effects of her betrayal on the titans but it seems to me like you could have that as well as redeeming the character
1: or, or not even having a redemption arc, just having her being a villain.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Or that, yeah. I,
1: I, and this is why I'm going to go a little off topic. The, the X Men movies that Fox is doing with Mystique on this whole redemption arc. And I know I've ranted about it before, but can we not have a villain that's, that you know, has a good, or, you know, some sort of movie? Yeah, we got the Red Skull. And he's very, very villainous. He's no redemption for Red Skull. But a lot of these villains. They try and... Redeem. Yeah. They, oh, they're, they're not such bad guys, then why are they the bad guys?
0: Circumstances.
1: Yeah. Money. I don't know. But Exactly. You know, it, it, let's just have... Let's not have redemption arc for every single villain out there, please. That's, that's all I really want to say. You can have a villain that
0: is compelling and not need a redemption arc. I think Joker is one that yeah. can be compelling. And doesn't have a redemption. I mean,
1: you know, the, the old adage, every villain's the hero of his own story. That's that's great, because you can have some truly malevolent villains who think themselves to be the hero. And that just makes them even better. Right. So, yeah, that's all i got to say about that.
0: Okay, so <laughs> uh, let's jump into the next point with Tara. She has an infatuation with Slade that uh, we, we didn't really cover too much in the,
1: uh, in the summary. It's... it's- kind of uh, creepy and unsettling and everything i've read about it is that it garnered a very uh, negative reaction as it should i mean she's 16 years old
0: or at least as best we can tell because the gravestone says uh, 68 to 84 yeah so she's somewhere between 16 uh, 15 and and 17
1: yeah um and Slade is very much a older man he's he's got white hair white beard he's you know he has a son that's old enough to join the titans he actually looks older than most of the Titans to me. Uh, Jericho, Jericho. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the mutton chops. He had, yeah, he has a, a blonde afro and mutton chops. <laughs> I, yeah, The art in this was very '80s. Yeah, everything. Uh, Starfire's, Starfire's hair. hair. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah but uh, it, it's uh, and it is something that I brought up and John agreed with me. When you have the comic code authority, which the comic code authority. Ran from the late '50s to 2011, when it was finally dropped by DC. Is a lot. DC was the last major publisher to drop the Comic Code Authority. Uh, interesting little histo factual for you. The uh, how is it that the uh, a story where a 15-year-old and a very very old, much older man, you know, in, in any sort of relationship is acceptable?
0: Yeah, and it. One thing that uh, when we were discussing this before we we decided what we were going to talk about on on the recording is we aren't really shown anything.
1: We're just kind of dropped hints. Implied sometimes very heavy-handedly.
0: Right. So you can look at it and say, well, she's just infatuated with him and nothing has happened yet. Or you can look at it and say... Yeah, they have a uh, physical relationship that is inappropriate. So, it, or somewhere, anywhere in between.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely not the. Uh, I don't know why they went the way they did with that.
0: I I agree. It's she can work for him without being in love with him. I mean, I I guess kind of, sort of the her turning on him at the end only works if she
1: feels slighted. But or, but I mean, you could have that with a mentor relationship. It's not. The relationship that we're led to believe they are having. Uh, yeah, I agree.
0: I mean, there's a number of ways you could adjust the story to cut that part out and it still work.
1: Yeah, agreed. So, I think that's enough said on that subject.
0: Um. Well. Oh, yeah. So, the lasting effects of betrayal on the Titans. Yeah. So, the
1: last talking. The last point we have is, as John said, the lasting effects of betrayal and Titans. Now, we don't. We aren't given this in this story. I had to do a little research and digging. The uh. The Titans are very slow to trust Jericho, who becomes a Titan and helps him out with stuff. But because he's Slade's son, and they just went through this whole thing with Terra, they're very slow to trust him.
0: Have, has the Triton Saga... So- Trigon Saga?
1: Or Trigon... Trigon Saga. Is that... The name of it? I want to say it is. I don't know if that's happened yet or not.
0: Because you've got uh, basically a similar type of character in Raven whose father is Trigon. Trigon, a big villain of the Titans and some other parts of the DC Universe as well, I believe. Yes. And so either they're already familiar with it and don't want another one, or they haven't got there yet and they don't want two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's one of those things where I, I'm not sure where on the timeline that happened. We do get, you know, they, they obviously know that Raven is the daughter of Trigon. It's not, you know, kept a secret in this story at all. Right, it's definitely
0: mentioned. So I, I want to say that maybe has already happened.
1: Yeah, I'd have to look at the dates on that. Um, but I think that really does it for the, our, our bad points, which aren't a whole lot. All
0: right, so we'll move on to the good points then. Um, cyborg. So there's a point in here where when he's training he kind of got his own solo training with uh something akin to the danger room from x-men yeah so he yeah,
1: has basically a very large uh press pressing down on him, and i think he goes to five tons of uh pressure
0: yeah and he looks like he breaks it which i thought was kind of interesting it seems to me like you wouldn't want to break that thing but yeah i agree That's uh very 80s that's all i
1: can say yeah
0: of course they were always breaking the danger room all the time too so not not unique to this story but he mentions that that the cha- the challenges of being part machine. He said back when he was just an athlete, he could push per- push himself and become better. And now that he's a cyborg, he's wondering if he's just limited by his cybernetic
1: pieces. If, he, if he's only as good as the if if the machines are what make him a superhero, or if it's you know him driving the machines, or
0: just that he has no way to improve, that he's locked in at this. Power level or this ability because that's all the machines can do. Yeah. Like he, he feels like the human part of him maybe has little to no effect at this point, which I think is very interesting philosophical thing to have in this kind of a story, which for the most part was not that deep in other areas. No.
1: And, and you're right. That does lead to some very cool philosophical discussion of, you know, if, if you're half machine. Do you really have any means to improve are you at the behest and limitations of your parts
0: yeah i mean we aren't really given i'm sure somewhere else we're given his origin story of how he became part machine i I remember it from the new 52 he was involved in some sort of lab accident it's probably something similar uh back in in the original one but we're seeing these his arms get cut off um Later in the story, so I mean, there are chances for him to improve the the mechanical pieces as well, but also just it's interesting that he's seeing this dilemma, and I don't know if that's just the story or if that's a recurring theme throughout
1: his his arc. But I want I want to hope that it's a recurring theme because that seems like it'd be a really cool area to explore.
0: I agree, and this creative team, Marv Wolfman and George Perez, stayed on Titans for a very very long time. So hopefully they continued with a lot of these little sub-themes that we saw in here.
1: And interestingly enough, our next point actually really ties into that. And this is a quote by Deathstroke, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. that uh, powers augment the hero, they don't make him.
0: And this is said after uh, Dick gets away from him, and he's like, man, the one with no powers is the most trouble. I don't know, I didn't think that would be the thing. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Powers just augment the hero, they don't make him, so... Maybe that's why he's the most hard
1: to, to capture, because he has no powers. Because he has no powers, and he's he's on, he leads a team full of super-powered individuals, and he has enough clout and ability to lead a team of super-powered individuals.
0: Yeah, so I thought that was rather interesting, and it, it also kind of feeds in with what we're seeing with Scott, Cyborg. Yeah, you know, exactly. He, he's not just Cyborg, he's, he's a person.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a cool... Uh, synergy that you don't really expect to see.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's a there's a meta piece to this too, or a or a outside of story piece to this, in that the the best heroes are not ones that have the coolest power set, because if you look at, I mean we 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 talked about this with um, the guy who wrote Devil Dealers, uh, Ross Ross May about Superman and and Superman has probably one of the most complete and coolest power sets but he's often written very boringly because he can do anything
1: so it's it's you're given the entire world and you have no idea where to begin with
0: it right so i think a lot of times the best stories come from the character who has the powers and not necessarily the powers that they have i agreed 100% there so i i think that that was a nice little in world reminder to us that you still need good writing even if you've got superpowers yes. yes
1: so the next point we have is on deathstroke and it's it's pretty it's quite a few sub points here which is the idea of an aging villain who's losing his physical superiority now we know you know again with the fight with dick is kind of a good indication of this yeah he's he was a at a younger age he was a special operations he was hard charging go-getter he was a mercenary he has all these uh powers that are be given to him from the experimentation by the military. Increased uh, strength and reflexes. Healing, and... stamina, blah, blah, blah. But he's you know, growing older, and he, even though he has all these, you know, experimentations and training, he's still feeling a bit of his age.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great a great idea, and I hope that, uh, I mean, Deathstroke's always been a Titan's foe. Yes. Um, and so I think it's a great idea for them to Kind of contrast this young team that doesn't really know how to use everything they have against a guy who knows how to use everything he's got, but everything he's got isn't as powerful as it once was. Yes. So you've got kind of the wily veteran trying to stay one step ahead
1: of the uh, hotshot upstart with all the abilities. Yes. So uh, one point, though, is did, did he not have a contingency plan?
0: Yeah, in, in the Hive there. Yeah, in the hive or or even just when Dick got away.
1: Yeah, he didn't seem to have a plan for if, you know, if Dick tries to make an escape what he would do. If if the the trade with the hive doesn't go well. Now, the whole thing with Terra, I don't think he could have planned for that. Her betrayal and her... Her, her going un- crazy. But he knew she was unstable, though. He says this much. Yeah, but I don't think he, he knew the extent or he wasn't willing to believe the extent of which she was crazy.
0: I think he might have just been desperate enough. He's, I mean, he said he'd been working on this contract that he picked up from his, his son, Ravager, who died for like a year and a half. So to him, I think he was frustrated that it was taking this long and maybe he was feeling like he, he had no choice. He had to get this done. And
1: Tara was the only way. Yeah, I, and that makes a lot of sense. And he was willing to make some concessions that he wouldn't normally make to uh, you know accomplish the mission.
0: But yeah, it, it did kind of frustrate me that this this story was kind of convenient in yeah. a lot of aspects. Um, and I don't want to get into that just now. I can talk about that in final thoughts. But just this was part of it. Just the fact that Destro, who's a very cerebral person, I mean, I know you're not keeping up with Arrow like I am, but. He's the main villain in season two of Arrow, and now that we're in season three, probably continuing. And he's so he's like one step ahead of Oliver Queen, like all the way.
1: And that's the way he's supposed to be,
0: right? And in this, he's, he he doesn't seem like he's that way. Like Terra did all the the heavy lifting, so even though he was able because of the inside information to capture the the other Titans, it wasn't really because he was one step ahead.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I agree there it, it, I think that kind of ties back to the whole villain who's losing who's aging and losing his physical superiority. Well,
0: and also I think it might be that they really are still kind of early on with the character and maybe they haven't haven't decided that he needs to be this as cerebral as he later
1: becomes. yeah very well could be.
0: but we're used to the late how what he later
1: becomes so I, I would prefer that in this story agreed. So the next moving on to the next point, and this is the first time his origin story is ever told. We get quite a few origin stories in this one. Well, just just two. Three. Well the well, first appearance I guess wouldn't We count. get
0: first appearances of Nightwing's suit and name, uh, Jericho, but we kinda get Jericho's origin story. I mean there's not really much more to it besides him when he was captured as a child and then that his power manifesting and yeah, I mean, there's not much to it. So I would say his, Adeline's, I guess. I mean, although she doesn't have any powers, so no,
1: but as, we're just like a sorry.
0: secondary character, and and Deathstrokes, um, are yeah. And I I particularly liked uh, Deathstrokes origin story. I mean, it's definitely one of the times because it's the '80s, the, during the like '60s, '70s, and '80s. A lot of these origin stories had military components to them.
1: World War II,
0: Vietnam. This one was Korean War Korean it started War. with yeah, and then Vietnam.
1: So, yeah, you had a, quite a few, a lot of characters, especially villains. It seems with military backgrounds that had you know mili- you know backstories. I, it's it's a sign of the times. I mean,
0: if you look at the the era of comics in the 40s to the 60s, I mean that a lot of the stories revolved around military because they were somewhat propaganda for for the good guys. Yeah. So, Captain
1: America, Superman. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, it's fitting.
0: I mean, obviously, the modern interpretations, I think, take that part away from him. And maybe he's, like, a, part of a mercenary company or something, but... Or a PMC. For, what? Private Military Corporation. Oh, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I
1: mean, same thing, but...
0: Um, yeah, so, it's, it's fitting for the time the story was written, and... Honestly, I, I'm okay with those. I mean, they're, they're usually well-written. There's one piece in this that, that didn't make sense to me, and I'm sure, I don't know, maybe you didn't catch it, but when when they're, uh, it's Wintergreen, I think, telling his story, and he's talking about uh, General Mason, or the general that didn't like him, yeah. both of them, and he sends Sergeant Slade Wilson and Staff Sergeant Wintergreen out on a mission, and then later it's Captain... Wilson and Major Wintergreen. Well, they
1: couldn't. They couldn't go through. Uh, that's very rare. I know. We I know that's very yeah. rare. Both of us having army background. Both of us being you know coming out of the army. We know that,
0: that once you get into NCO territory, you almost never
1: because because in, you're almost always going to take a pay cut because when you go from NCO to officer, uh, OCS. You go down to the lowest level of officer. Which is second lieutenant, so you're almost always taking a pay cut. I don't know sar- us,
0: us. I think sergeant sergeant to uh, second yeah. lieutenant is probably
1: pretty close. Yeah. I, maybe even staff sergeant to second lieutenant. Maybe. But, yeah, it was like maybe they went through OCS, officer, it, officer candidate selection course. Yeah,
0: yeah it also was wartime, so maybe they had a need, and so they just laterally shifted them over. That okay. does happen in wartime. Yeah. Um, but it w- it was definitely something I noticed that every once in a while you see this in in writings of people who are trying to write something military but don't really know uh, enough about familiar, it. Yeah, yeah. So and, and anyway, it's a minor
1: quibble. That's less so now, All right. indeed,
0: because now you can do a lot of research on the internet and get a lot of good well, information.
1: And military culture is much bigger nowadays than it was back then.
0: Yeah, and more. Represented in movies and television and stuff.
1: So. Yes, exactly.
0: Um,
1: Minor well, quibble. Yeah. <laughs> One thing though about the uh, backstory is, is the how Deathstroke becomes more self-involved. Becomes. He starts off. You know, he joins this this uh, special operations training. He falls in love with his wife. They have a kid. He goes out on missions. He volunteers. I don't think he told her he she he was volunteering. I didn't. I don't think he did. Yeah, he just kind of volunteered without asking her for this experimentation program. He gets out of the military. So this
0: experiment didn't go as the Army had planned. Yeah. Like, he had the, his enhanced reflexes. At, well, he went into a coma, I Yeah, think. he went into
1: a coma, and when he came out, he had enhanced reflexes, enhanced strength, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: But he'd have it for a while, and then he'd go back to being, like, comatose. Yeah. And then he'd
1: have it for a while, and he'd go back to being, like,
0: comatose. And Eventually, it settled out, but the military didn't didn't see that or didn't care and like discharged him.
1: Yeah. So he became a mercen or he became a hunter and then he became a mercenary behind his wife's back. Uh, Once his son was kidnapped so that to try and extort information about a client from Slade, he went, he tells his wife, they go to rescue him. He's willing to let them, instead of telling the, the guys who kidnapped his son, you know the information on the client, he's willing to bet his quickness versus the guy who has a knife at his son's throat.
0: Right, and th- this part, he says it's his word, but just before going there, he gives his word to his wife that he won't let anything happen to his son. So you have this dichotomy here of two different words, and he chose the professional word versus the personal word, which I thought was rather interesting. And obviously the events that happened after that with her basically... Rightfully so, being incredibly mad at him for risking their
1: child's life, divorcing him, and trying to trying to assassinate him but instead shooting out his right eye.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, I think there I don't think necessarily that that one choice made him become more self-involved, but well, I really mean, he gradual. was kind of already kind of self-involved. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a self-obsessed. Kind he of wasn't guy. really handling the being discharged from the military very well. Um, but I I think all those those pieces together turned him into what we know as Deathstroke. Yeah. He became more
1: driven, more, uh, I guess you'd call it career driven in, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more thrill seeking more, you know, but also he, he's, he's got an interesting,
0: I, what he chooses to do is interesting. Um, he mentions in the hive, I believe that normally he doesn't go after superheroes and, and the good guys kind of thing. Like, and he mentioned this before, uh the his son got kidnapped or in that same time frame about the people that he went after were threats to the state and i mean he wasn't just he wasn't just doing it for anyone like yeah. he had some sort of a code for a while and then the reason he went after the titans was because it was his son's contract and he was picking up after his son was killed which of course you know he then becomes a major
1: titan villain
0: Right. I, I, I'm assuming that has more to do with the reaction to him as a villain than anything to do story-wise. I agree. agree. They fit the story around
1: that. So, I think that uh that leads us to, to our final thoughts. Okay. Uh, John? Alright, so, this is an enjoyable story.
0: It is not the best story. You have to take some things on faith that really you shouldn't have to. For instance, the whole thing with with the Titans showing Terra around to all their homes so she can get just what she needs so that Slade can go kidnap all the Titans individually without really having to fight any of them. Like, that's a very convenient story piece to this. I think it's also very convenient that Terra gets so mad and so consumed with rage that she kills herself and doesn't become a future villain, as we said, or uh, doesn't Realize that the Titans can be her friends and help her and try and work with them. And then them having to deal with her betrayal and also her uh, propensity to get angry and kind of lose control. So I, I think there's a lot of elements here that could have been a much better story. Um, also, Beast Boy, we, we didn't care for, for his portrayal. I, it was enjoyable, and it had good elements to it, like the origin story for Deathstroke, the introduction of Nightwing. Um, but it's definitely a, a, a comic of the 80s, the uh, fur boots on Deathstroke and the disco Nightwing outfit and the hair and and everything. So it, it is a product of the times. It didn't age very well, but it is an enjoyable story. I'd say probably
1: like a six or a seven. I'm going to have to pretty much have to say I agree. I hate to do it, but ditto. Um <laughs> I I won't leave it at that. Sorry, I said all the good things. Well, no, pretty much spot on. Uh, it's definitely a dated story. It didn't age well, but if you take it as a product of the times, and and yeah, it's got some very convenient plot points and a little bit of writing that would pass for the in the eighties that wouldn't pass for now. I won't say it's lazy writing. I say it's a writing of the time. Yeah, I don't think it's lazy writing. Um, I it was definitely you know it's an enjoyable story and it's a quintessential classic titan story it's one of those things you kind of it's one of those things that 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 that
0: guides other stories so a lot of times when you look at 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 a at a title there's key stories that you that that keep getting referenced back to and that's what this one feels like one that would keep being referenced back to and something that kind of forms some of the other stories going forward a lot of times you have stories that don't really have anything to do with anything, and that's okay. Yeah, that as long standalone as they're, stories. As long as they're enjoyable, and they don't necessarily move the status quo forward or backward or anything. And that's okay, but then you have these type of stories, and those are the ones we're trying to cover. So I think it was a good one to
1: cover. Um, I do want to say that, of course, DC then goes and undoes everything by having Doppelganger, good good guy Terra show up and join the team. Was that... Well, way later on. So after
0: Crisis, I want to say it was after Crisis. So in which case it could be the same Terra.
1: It's it's extremely <sighs> confusing.
0: Okay, because Crisis doesn't that the one of their resets. One one of
1: the many that they did.
0: Yeah. So in theory, it it could be the same Terra or a different
1: Terra. If you go on the DC Wikia, there's like there's Terra Two, Terra New, Terra Prime, Terra Old, Terra yeah, Red that... Flit Fish, Terra Blue Fish.
0: Well, that's because they
1: had Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth Prime, New Earth, Earth Earth Earth. X, Earth Zero. (sighs) Damn multiverse. (laughs) Alright, so that, of course, leads us to the credits. Uh, This was Tales of the Teen Titans 42 through 44, and the annual number 3, which ran from April to July 1984. Writer Marv Wolfman. Artist George Perez.
0: Co embellishers Dick Giordano and Mike DiCarlo.
1: Letter editors letters. letters. Letters were John Costanza for issue forty-two, Ben Oda for issue forty-three in the annual, and Todd Klein for issue forty-four. Colorist was Adrian Roy. Editors were Marv Wolfman and George Perez. You can also you can contact Art Reaction Podcast with any thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns.
0: And don't forget to send in your test uh, your test back. So you can reach us on email
1: at. ArcReactionsPod at gmail.com. Or Twitter at ArcReactionsPod. Facebook, ArcReactionsPod podcast. Uh, podcast. So Facebook.com slash ArcReactionsPodcast. Uh, the blog is ArcReactionsPodcast.blogspot.com. And you can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Comics Podcast Network. Yep. Thanks for listening.
0: A Cat Interrupted Production.